3: Dave Hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports objective insight expertise top guest available on YouTube Apple Spotify and the off the hook sports app download now for free also available on off the hook sports.com I compute and obey now to Dave
4: hooker Ready. Well, here we go. It is a Monday of game week as the ball's back in action from a bye and so am I. So uh, about this time uh, yesterday on a Sunday, I was uh, about to walk the Paul Revere trail and now we're talking Tennessee, Texas A&M. So with Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. We've got a huge monster show lined up uh, congratulations to our friend spencer riley who usually joins us on a monday but uh, he has a freshman game to attend to after winning the region for jeff county so excited about that for him uh but with columbus day some by uh, some schedules are a little bit goofy and his is one of them so he will uh, rejoin us next monday tomorrow of course it'll be john adams and on wednesday we'll have jimmy Iams. thursday josh ward and then a football friday with fred and coming up later today we will have the vol report with jacob warren and cooper mays and also that sunday show with fred that's going to be on a monday don't overthink it uh coming up on the program today andrew uh, Stefniak from a uh, locked on texas a&m will join us so we'll get a preview of the aggies with an off week it is certainly time to move forward sec power rankings a recap of college football that uh, was uh, pretty, pretty special. I almost think you're better off uh, being in a bye situation so something crazy doesn't happen to you because we saw a lot of craziness over the weekend. Uh, Tennessee's rushing offense is it legitimate? but we'll begin today with Josh Heupel coming off a of bye week and what the national media thinks of the University of Tennessee's football program. Caleb, how are you, sir?
0: I am pretty good. Dave, how were they in Boston yesterday? You know, no Red Sox in the playoffs. The Patriots just getting draxed. I mean... Yeah, so- well, we,
4: we stumbled on to the Italian-American celebration, so that was cool. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of neat things going on. We didn't even know the Celtics had a, a preseason game until I got home, so... Um, yeah, it was um, it was it was my f- uh, first time in Boston since I was like 12 years old. So uh, I had to check check in on the Sun. And it's funny because even up there, where everybody wants to root for their individual small northeastern irrelevant school in in football, what do they do? They go to the sports bars and they watch the SEC. That's exactly what they do. So welcome to the uh, message board, those that are on hold we certainly appreciate that and we'll get to your comments uh charles says good to see you back caleb did a great job next week uh, last week well i had no question that he uh he would be and we've got someone new at josh's cannabis reviews so that just reminds me to tell you to check out hemphousechat.com hemphousechat.com use the promo code hooked hooked and get 10% off and I'll tell you more. They've also got the big orange crunch, but they've got you set up with today's tough question. And we do that right now.
3: Today's tough question. Take a side, take a stand. The Dave hooker show, a presentation of off the hook
4: Before the weekend, how did you think that the national media viewed Tennessee. And then I want to move forward with the line moving already. Um, you have them moving in the polls, but before the weekend, how was Tennessee viewed? Caleb, let me start with that. And then after the weekend, how were they viewed because you, you had some significant losses by teams we thought were championship contenders. So give me a before and after how Tennessee was viewed as a championship contender?
0: I don't think much has changed before and after the weekend for Tennessee with this buy. I think they're still viewed as a, I think most national analysts are looking at Tennessee as kind of maybe in a transition year where they're capable of competing with championship contenders, but they're not necessarily a championship contender this year. I think because people overreact to Georgia every week, and we'll talk about this later in the show. I think they have thrown out any chance of Tennessee winning the East because of what Georgia did to Kentucky. I actually reject that argument. I understand why where people come from with that. But I think more than anything, I think I think how they view Tennessee as a team hasn't changed. I think how they view some of the competition has changed. And I think all of a sudden people go from, oh my God, Georgia struggled on the road against a rival that they always struggle against. So they must be bad to Oh my gosh! Georgia beat Kentucky. They must be good, which is hilarious. So t- they're thinking Tennessee has no shot against Georgia because Georgia blew out Kentucky, which is laughable to say out loud.
4: Here's here are my thoughts on on Tennessee after what I saw over the weekend. And you're right. Um, yeah, Heather Dinich, who we had on, I was watching her on the plane, and she was talking about how Georgia and Alabama reassert themselves as king of the SEC. I thought that was a little bit strong. I watched the weekend being able to not have to focus on Tennessee as we do. And I think it's, it's, it's pretty wide open. I do still think Georgia, as I've said all along that they do play down to their opponent. They're the preeminent program right now in the nation. And if it was them against the field, I would have to think long and hard about it. I'd probably still take the field. That's the smart bet. Kayla, but it is a little bit more difficult uh, to try to pick the top elite teams. If I gave you five elite teams and I responded with five elite teams, I bet they're not the same. In other words, this may be a transition year for Tennessee, but it may be a good year to be a transition year because is there an elite team right now that you say you would take against the field? No, and I probably would have said Georgia – about that last year, even though they played down to their opponent and they have done so this year. They didn't do so over the weekend. I just don't know that there's an elite team right now in college football, Caleb, that you point to and you say, them versus the field, let's have a real argument.
0: No, I'm I'm with you. This, this has all the markings of 2007 happening all over again. And by the way, it sounds like you're on my side, Dave, because you're like, this is a good year to be a transition year. So what you're saying is – this isn't going to perpetually be the case. What's happening this year, where there's no elite team, meaning you don't think parity is that college football is in for more parity long term with NIL?
4: Um, well, no, because of the transfer portal and NIL, I do think they're in for more parity long term. Maybe not at the bottom end. I think those teams are going to struggle because of less funding because they're not going to have the TV deals. But on the top end, I don't think you're going to see uh, a Georgia, which they've done over the past three years, or an Alabama, which they've done over the past decade plus, dominate the sport. I don't think you're going to see those those top of, say we sh- shall we say, New England Patriot type of teams.
0: So does that make this year a blip on the radar? Because you're saying it's a good year for Tennessee to be a transition team. But I'm arguing that maybe it's not because there's going to be even more parity down the line, isn't there?
4: Well, I think it's a blip on the radar because of quarterback play to some extent. I think if you oh, if you had plan. elite quarterback play at a couple of different schools in the SEC, you'd be t- you'd be having a totally different conversation. But no, I think I think parity. I think um, you're going to see this is the type of football you're going to see now. Georgia might still be elite, right? Because they've played down to their opponent and come through in the clutch, so they might still be elite. But if they're not, then I think you see more and more of that as time goes on because of the transfer portal and NIL that there's not going to be an elite program. So the the other thing that definitely caught my eye as we asked today's tough question, championship contender or no, how does the national media view uh, Tennessee I think they view them in that second tier of teams that if if things fall the right way, they could be a championship contender. So I'm hedging my bet just a little bit. So I will say, yes, I think you look at about 20 teams. There's five or six of which um, should be on that upper tier. I say that. And then you have Southern California who just can't stop Powell Middle School from scoring. Uh, Michigan may be the best program in the nation right now. So I think there's another tier, Caleb, if things fall right, which would Tennessee, it'd be stay healthy, and they haven't. It would be get better quarterback play, more consistent quarterback play, and they've started to, I believe, with Cooper Mays back into the fold. Caleb, I think they're on that second tier of championship contenders. So I guess I would have to say no to the question if we had to go yes or no but I think that could change in just a couple of weeks with who Tennessee has coming up if they play well.
0: I'm right where you are. I think right now no, but not out of not not impossible. But look, we're going to know in two weeks. We're going to know in two weeks if November's going to matter for Tennessee or not. Like this is this is the two most important weeks of Tennessee's season. So, we'll we'll know pretty quickly.
4: You're right. The uh, the line moves by four points. Now, I I thought last week when or two weeks ago when Tennessee was a significant double-digit favorite over South Carolina that the guys in Vegas knew something about Cooper Mays and that he was coming back. I thought that, and I gave you a wink-wink, and thought that uh, on a Monday when we did our show before the South Carolina game. But explain this line to me and why it's moved by four uh, away from the Vols. Uh, t- tell me tell me what that means, because you know gambling better than I do. So this was shocking
0: to me, because you and I talked last Monday For Tennessee's early line against Texas A&M, they were favored by seven before last weekend's slate of games. And on top of that, Tennessee, um, they were double-digit favorites over A&M at the beginning of the year, if you did a futures bet. And and then it became a touchdown favorite last week. Then after how Texas A&M played Alabama, the line moved to Tennessee minus three. Now, I'm a little confused by this because I, I got to be honest. I don't know. They're, they're reacting to Texas A&M playing Alabama close. Well, one, the reason this is weird for them to act this way is Alabama covered. So Vegas, Alabama covered Vegas, own spread that they set against Texas A&M. So how are they going to, how is Texas A&M going to underperform their own expectations? And then they're going to say, well, based on that, we're going to move the line in their favor for when they're going to play Tennessee. Something tells me, that they think they just react. They, they, per, Vegas themselves and the odds makers think are, are second guessing themselves for giving Tennessee too many points last week. Because, look, let's be honest, Tennessee's favorite by three or four now, depending on the sportsbook you use, that's a pick 'em. That's a pick 'em because Tennessee's at home and coming off a buy. And Vegas takes those two things into account.
4: Today's so. tough question brought to you by our friends at Hemp House Chat with two T's, hemphousechat.com. Only the premier CBD and Delta nine products that are right there. And they've got the big orange crunch. Check out the big orange crunch. Use the promo code on any product and you get a 10% off. So we encourage you to do that. Hemp house chat with two T's hemp house Chat.com. All right, Josh Heupel coming off of a bye week I, I, I read all your stuff, Caleb. Don't take this wrong, but I purposefully didn't read this because I wanted to ask you, uh a a couple of questions first though let's talk about the rankings uh tennessee um is in that top 20 range which again i think would speak to they could be a contender but not quite yet what do you think
0: they're tied for number 19 in the ap poll and they are number 17 in the coaches poll which is exactly what we've talked about there are Two, I wanted to point this out. There are two teams they play the rest of the way that are ranked higher than them right now, which would be, obviously, Alabama and Georgia. However, FPI and SP Plus both have Texas A&M above Tennessee also. Barely, but like one spot each, which would put like eight and four on the table if they lost to all the every team ranked higher than them. But they get A&M at home, but they also get Missouri and Kentucky on the road. So, again, we're still looking at a Tennessee team where the range is six and six to ten and two for tennessee right now
4: well that i don't think everyone is six and six that that would if you had to take six and six or ten and two which would you take
0: if i had to bet i'd bet ten and two but i'm saying that's the range right now well the range is theoretically 11 and one but i mean do, do you really think this tennessee team from what you've seen is beating alabama on the road and georgia at home i just i don't see that happening
4: mm, no but i didn't think they'd beat alabama last year i think that our next topic is going to lead into that, and it's brought to you by our friend Andy AndyMasonRealEstate.com, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Josh Heupel coming off a buy. So like I said, I read your stuff. I love your stuff. It's on OffTheHookSports.com. But this one I specifically didn't read because I wanted to get a fresh reaction off Josh Heupel coming off a buy. And you say he's elite after buy weeks. I didn't even try to process it over the weekend. I knew you were writing the column. But I thought he probably would be because he's an incredible tactician and game planner. And you give those type of guys an extra seven days to prepare, they're probably going to be pretty good. So I want you to tell me why he's elite, and I'm not surprised. It's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Over 40 years of experience in Andy Mason's office, andymasonrealestate.com. Best prices, best service, real estate, Knoxville, do it, Andy Mason realestate.com support our sponsors They're why we are here why is josh heupel elite coming off of bye weeks sir
0: so let's just take what he's done at tennessee so far he's had two bye weeks one both of them were at against coming off the bye week in both instances 2021 and 22 he was facing a ranked team on the road last year's was lsu we saw what he did off that bye week 40 to 13
4: blowout they were incre- they were incredible they were incredible but they're I thought that there were issues that LSU had with an early start, an early fumble, much like Tennessee had issues in the South Carolina game. Totally different issues, but there were things that went into the game that I didn't think helped LSU, and I thought – That's true, but
0: Heibel had a touchdown pass to Jalen Hyatt dialed up that was just – it was completely schemed that he had done for two
4: weeks. and Definitely not downplaying anything that they did in that, that game. That was impressive.
0: The year before, Tennessee went to Kentucky, and that was their—I mean, that was their signature win two years ago. This was a ten three Kentucky team, a ranked team. Tennessee was struggling to try to stay bowl eligible, coming off a bye. Tennessee goes and beats Kentucky at Kroger Field at night, which we've talked about Tennessee's issues on the road at night, and so that was a huge win for them. Now, uh, tracking him off buys, planned and unplanned, and I say unplanned because Heupels had. I did have a buy at UCF one year where a game was canceled due to weather, and that counts as a buy, doesn't it? Because once you're once the game's canceled, you're preparing for the next week, so it's the same.
3: Uh,
4: for the sake of the discussion, we'll say yes, but I think it's kind of a goofy week, so you're not really preparing for the next opponent because you don't know that the game's canceled until two days before. But all right, for the sake of the discussion, let's we'll, we'll go ahead and take that one.
0: Okay, so including that, Heupel is seven and one coming off a buy. Now, his one loss was in 2020, which is a COVID-shortened year and limited practices as it was. It was at Memphis when Memphis was also coming off a bye. Memphis was the defending American Athletic Champions. He was at UCF at the time, and Memphis won by one point. That's his only loss coming off a bye. Now, let's, let's delve into a little bit deeper. Hypel's critics are going to say he's 3-4-1 against the spread coming off a bye. That's a little misleading, though, because what people need to understand is the spread – Vegas takes into account when you're coming off a bye. So they sure. what yeah, so whatever points they give you, they're going to give you even more points. So it's harder to meet that expectation. And they give Hypel, they're very they give Hypel a lot of points when he's coming off a bye. And a lot of these games have been against teams that themselves were coming off a bye. So you don't really have the advantage. What you need to look at is how has Hypel done when he's had a week off against an opponent that has not had a week off? Which is Tennessee's situation with Texas A&M this week. He is 6-0 and and 4-2 against the spread when that happens.
4: So Tennessee should play really well this week is what you're telling me, right? They should. Not to mention,
0: not all these other teams that he's played had a grueling fight like Texas A&M did with Alabama this last week. Most of them don't have that type of game the week before. So, so this is
4: getting a little bit of play on the message board. Um, so I want to, I want to give it some credence here for just a second. You said Tennessee more likely to go 10 and two or six and six.
0: I said, they're more likely to go 10 and two. If, if it's, if it's one of those two, it's more likely to go 10 and two.
4: Okay. Would everybody agree on that? Because Rocky top Ta- Tom says six and six and he was first uh, off the bat. So go ahead and give me your thoughts on the message board, six and six or, or 10 and two. I've, I feel pretty good about saying that if I had a better mortgage payment, Tennessee would be 10 and two over six and six. I don't even think that's close. I think if you made it 11 and one that. Well, then you're taking six and six. It's more likely that they
0: lose to Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky than it is that they beat Alabama and Georgia.
4: But I just don't see six and six at all being a possibility. Somebody says 10 and two. Um, now said, now if I threw seven and five in there, if I threw seven and five or ten and two, then you have a whole different discussion. I just don't see any way that they go six and six. I don't see well, any they lo- way they slip to that point.
0: Well, they, they, if they lose this weekend at Missouri and at Kentucky are still tough, and then Alabama and Georgia, that would be six losses.
4: Yeah, none of those
0: but- are none of those are like circled wins.
4: No, they're not. And the reason they're not is because it's pretty simple, I think, quarterback play across the board. So even Missouri is hanging with with opponents, and they look pretty good this year. Um, But when you compare their quarterback play to the rest of the league, it's what, about the same or maybe even above average this year? I think what's helping Missouri is
0: they are one of the ones with actually a good quarterback.
4: Yeah, I agree. Last year, we would have said that quarterback – with a Bryce Young and the Hinden Hooker out there is the middle of the pack, right?
0: Right, exactly. So I'll bring this up. Here's why I'm leaning your way. After doing my which research- way is, Which hypo- way is
4: that? Because I'm almost talking myself into two ways.
0: Uh, 10 and two is more likely than six and six. Maybe seven and five is debatable. But the more I'm thinking about it in my head, doing the post-it piece I did last weekend, we debated this with John- I think Texas A&M is a more likely win for Tennessee than Missouri or Kentucky because just because of the buy, I think the buy is huge for oh, Tennessee. Wow. I don't think it's as much of a pick anymore because Tennessee had the week off. And I don't think you can underestimate having that week off.
4: Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I think Texas A&M you would agree, or would you agree that Texas A&M those three teams you just mentioned is the, the best team just to show up on a Saturday.
0: Yes, and but we're going to get into this, particularly tomorrow with a new segment that we talked about, but um I think Texas A&M may have the dumbest coach of the 3. Also, and that includes Eli Drinkwitz. Wow,
4: saying something. <laughs> Here's the thing about Texas A&M. I've never seen a coach do such a great job of going in raising expectations and then lowering expectations because their fan base almost seems ecstatic with four and two so i mean uh, over the weekend um they were they were able to uh to hang tight with uh, alabama and they lost 26 to 20 and that feels like a win but what year are we in the jimbo fisher experience shouldn't i mean shouldn't year six yeah shouldn't a close win to alabama or close loss to alabama and Winning eight games be bottom of the barrel at this point, which is that's looking like the kind of program they're going to be.
0: Yeah, you don't celebrate that if you're Jimbo Fisher at this point. And that's why I think, again, I, I want to emphasize this Tennessee off the bye, Texas AM and some emphasizing moral victories against Alabama. Who do you think has the edge just psychologically this weekend between the two?
4: That's a good question. You?
0: It's got to be Tennessee. They got a week off. They're fully rested unless, and this is the only thing, because we want to hash back to Vegas, moving the line three. Maybe people in practice feel like Tennessee hasn't found a Brubacoy replacement.
4: Well, I mean, I, how could they have? I mean, the injury just happened. By the way, I want to thank everybody who uh, purchased the, um, the the book, Celebrate 98, The Untold Stories by Tennessee's 1998 uh, National Championship. It's right down there. If you want to click on it, you can order it. We're still doing the Give Them Six campaign through the rest of the week. Every book sold. $6 will go to buy one of the AED machines that uh, Brew McCoy has supported the Peyton Walker Fund, which provides those sideline um, or – It could be during practice, during games or practice, that can literally shock a player back to life. So if you want to purchase the book, now's a great time. Christmas isn't far away. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll be at Hound Dogs on Friday with Fred White doing a book signing. That's uh, right there in Kingston Pike off of Cedar Bluff. So a lot going on uh, on the program and as we get back into game week. And then I love him. But he just wants to absolutely tear me up. That's what he does. Caleb Calhoun. I wrote a column that Tennessee's rushing offense is elite. And he is just like, no, what are you crazy, Dave? Let's get to four downs now. And it's brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports.
3: Four downs, four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. four. four? downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com.
4: Okay, so we get to four downs. Cooper Mays will tell us which down it is. But first of all, my contention has been, and I was pretty hot on this early through a couple of games, I don't think this is a Tennessee football team that's going to regularly hang 60 on opponents like last week. I think this is a Tennessee football team that is going to play a little bit more ball control, and that is just fine. I'm not saying they're going back to the 1940s and that they're going to run the uh, wing T or anything like that, but this is a football team, I believe, especially with Cooper Mays back in the fold that can run the football, and Tennessee ranks very, very highly in running the football. And it's not just high, Caleb. It's really high, as I pointed out in my column. So far, and I think we're almost to the point four or five weeks into the season where you can use some of these numbers. They're not just good in the SEC, they're good in the entire nation when it comes to running the football.
0: So, what, uh, yes, yes, Tennessee, they are averaging over 200 yards a game. And a lot of that was with Cooper Mays out, which works in Tennessee Sabre, which we'll get to. But yes, the major caveat is if you really look at the data, they have not played anybody good at stopping the run yet. And I well, mean,
4: nobody. I want to do that. But let me first ask your your thoughts on the eye test. When you see them run the football, and regardless of opponent, which is which is hard to do, I understand. But when you see them run the football, what do you think of, of this crew with and without Cooper Mays? Because I'll, I'll tell you what I think.
0: I think the right side of the line is pretty good with Javante Spragans and Cooper Mays. And even, honestly, we have to say this, Dave, recently, Gerald Mincy. I, I got to give Gerald Mincy some credit. The last couple of week games, you know, he started in place of Jeremiah Crawford the last two weeks ago, and we didn't really hear any negatives from him after all the issues in camp. I see the right side blocking well, and I think the running backs, and this is a big one, the running backs run hard, particularly Jalen Wright. I feel like every time Jalen Wright is tackled, he's still going to try to get three extra yards out of it. When again, and that that stands out a lot to me is Jalen Wright runs really, really hard. It, it's kind. Of, it reminds me of. Dare I say this? Because Fred always talks about and he's right, Fred White about how Jamal Lewis was probably a better back than Travis Henry, but day Travis Henry ran harder, didn't he? Let's be honest, Travis Henry ran really hard.
4: Ran harder than
0: than Jamal Lewis. Travis yes. Henry ran harder.
4: Well, Jamal Lewis, I think, would have run hard. You know his he he gets hurt at the 1998 national championship team and then he realizes that he's a top tier NFL talent and i thought he shut it down to some extent towards the end of his career
0: possibly um, but yeah. i don't think anybody ever ran as hard as Travis Henry did i mean he wanted he he embraced contact he would truck you every time he touched the ball
4: quick uncle dave story most uncomfortable question ever right after Jamal Lewis runs a 43240 in the pro day and he's going to be a top pick um i begin a question with Jamal obviously a disappointing career at Tennessee but you're able to run a 4.2 what does that mean and he did not like that question so maybe wow. that was a bit of a loaded question but it was I mean he mailed it in for his last year and that's fine I, I got I mean they should have started Travis Henry that whole season
0: I said I remember watching Tennessee in like the in, in that 99 season they should have started Travis Henry the Travis Henry was the better back in 99 than Jamal
4: Lewis it wasn't it wasn't a question agree. Coop, what do people need to do before we get to four downs?
5: Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All
4: right. Thank you very much. So let's get to first down. Coop.
5: Coop here. First down.
4: All right. So of Tennessee's wins and the times that they've been really good against the run, it's been a lot of unproven teams. South Carolina, I'm sorry, they've been good running the football against teams that have trouble stopping. They're on South Carolina's 75th, Virginia 111. Um, and Florida 45th. So how much does that factor into Tennessee and their ability to run the football, Caleb, because they haven't faced anybody that's fantastic against the run, not even close?
0: It's factored a lot into it. You brought up Florida being 45th, and Florida, how they do in the first half running the ball against Florida? They struggled a lot. And so I think this is a big deal. Now, I, I'm going to be fair Cooper Mays wasn't in the game and the running game did pick up in the second half. It it, it did. And even though Florida was playing, not, you know, to run out the clock, I don't think they were playing to let Tennessee move the ball on them in the second half and Tennessee did move the ball on them in the second half. But as a team, Tennessee averaged I mean, Jalen Wright averaged under four yards a carry in that game. And so that is a major issue. Now in yards per attempt, Florida's actually Much, much worse. They're down at like number 98 because of that one Kentucky game where Ray Davis just torched them on the ground. And UTSA is the best run defense. Tennessee's faced by numbers at number 59. However, level of competition matters. UTSA, they would be number 111 if they were playing SEC competition.
4: Here's my retort. Tennessee hasn't just been good. They've been very good running the football 20 yards better than the second place team in yards per game. And that would be LSU. So Tennessee 231 yards per game LSU with 210 yards per game. So they've played very well against maybe very average run defenses. Tennessee also the only team in the sec that has six yards or more, Per carry average so I think that is very strong now if you want to look at nationally where does Tennessee rank up and this was written last week if you're looking on off the hooksports.com, but let me share the updated numbers with you Tennessee is seventh uh, against uh, running the football I should say with 231 yards per game their average is only behind Oregon Tennessee 6.18 yards per Per rush, Oregon, seven yards per rush. So I think this is a very, very good running football team, regardless of the opponent. And we'll find out because Texas A&M, their run defense is uh, pretty darn good. So if you look at Texas A&M and what Tennessee will face this weekend, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a different level. We'll get to that right now. Second down, Coop.
5: Cooper Mays here second down.
4: thank you very much we appreciate that so as far as rushing defense texas a&m is ninth in the nation giving up just 84 yards per game that is phenomenal and i don't need to tell you that that ranks number one in the sec by about a dozen yards over kentucky so we'll know if this is a really good running football team, which I think it is, in a, about a week, I, I think we'll have a By good. Idea. Ten, if Tennessee, yeah, if Tennessee can roll out one hundred and seventy-five yards, I think that's a very successful day. What would you judge Tennessee just strictly given yards rushing about how good they played or how well they played running the football against A and
0: I mean, the mark is five yards a carry, so they got average five yards a carry as a team on the ground. And, and so we'll, you're right. We will know. And there's still a little bit of grain of salt with Texas A&M because they were in such a hard fall game with Alabama. Like how does the defensive line get motivated to still, you know, as you said last year, play with your hair on fire, because that's very necessary to have a good rush defense consistently. And yep. will they be ready to do that? Knowing they lost last week.
4: One. Well, remember this too. Alabama's playing the style of ball. I'm not saying they're as good, but they're playing the style of ball where you are beat up the week after. Not quite to that extent, but closer to that than the Lane Kiffen type of extent. Before
0: more can... than ever before, because Alabama's relying a lot more on the run than in the past.
4: Agreed. Um, like pre Lane Kiffin, at least. Uh, brought yeah. to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonus that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your. Betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. That's right, HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning. With up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that, refer friends to earn a betting percentage of their betting volume as cash awards too. ZinSports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on ZinSports. ZinSports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over. And in Tennessee to... Bet what down are we on, Coop?
5: Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down.
4: That's exactly right. It is uh third down. So Cooper Mays, the fact that they did this without him, they ran the football at a high level and now he's back. How do you factor Cooper mazes exclusion early and inclusion? Now, here's my take. They were good without him running the football. Again, I factor in the opponent, but they're better now with him running the football and they've gotten some guys like ollie lane some big experience center andre courig more work left guard than he would have gotten otherwise because he wasn't going to start so i think the cooper mays injury could actually it cost him the florida game i believe but could play in tennessee's favor as far as this offensive line gelling and in, into an elite running football team you
0: so I say this will be a test this week. This is a big projection for me. I'm with you. I think they're much better with Cooper Mays at center. I don't think him being out helped them develop depth at all. Ali Lane was just not good at center. And he had three. If you developed depth, that means you got better over time playing the position. Ali Lane did not get better over time playing center. And Andre Carrick was never good at left guard. So I never saw enough development from him to actually believe in them
4: ever. Bear, I, I don't maybe. know that Ollie Lane got worse. I think he played better competition. And I think yeah, lot. I don't think he
0: got worse. I I just don't think he got better.
4: Yeah, no, that's fair.
0: And and, and now I, I will yeah. say to be fair to Ollie Lane, him he struggled at left guard against South Carolina. But again, he was asked to play left guard on Thursday before Saturday, so he wasn't like that. That's a he might get better at playing left guard this week, but he can't play center.
4: No, very true. All right, fourth down, Coop.
5: All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down.
4: Will fans be okay if this is more of a running football team, a team that a convincing victory is 40 to 17 instead of 66 to 23? I mean, are, will fans be okay with that or will they always? Well, let me just ask you because I, I have a theory on that.
0: Yeah. I think if Tennessee goes 10 and 2 as a running team or even 9 and 3 this year, fans are totally fine. I think fans are very aware of what this team is. And I think that's going to be enough for them to stay above water until next year when everybody's excited about Nico. And so, yeah, no, I think they can live with that.
4: I think it's fine if they get to 10 and two. So you jumped ahead, but I think Tennessee fans will be edgy the whole time that this is not the offense they saw in 2022 and they will be a little bit worried. So are they going to be okay? They'll be okay if they win 10 games or 11 games, but I think you'll be edgy up until that point. And it's like, Oh, is this really going to happen? And one note from the message board uh, that he agreed with you might be true, but Lane will be a much better offensive on had to play center. If you can even take reps at center in this league, you'd be okay elsewhere on the line. So I think they do build some depth, but I agree with you that he didn't he didn't go out there and light the world on fire.
0: I'll tell you what, with Tennessee fans, forget Tennessee fans. If Tennessee goes 10-2 and two as a running team this year, do you know how good that is for Josh Heupel? I because huge. it's huge. Because think about it. Defensive coordinators, everybody was spending the offseason figuring out this Josh Heupel offense, weren't they? Everybody was studying it and trying to figure it out. If Heupel adjusts Justin runs the ball this year, they're back on their heels and trying to figure out exactly what they can do to stop him, aren't they?
4: Yep. Where does Tennessee fall in the upcoming power rankings? Also, Andrew Stefaniak will join us and talk some Texas A&M. He covers the Aggies. We'll get you an early preview as we're bouncing back from a bye and ready to go. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Back in two minutes.
5: Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment.
1: With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com.
6: Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater.
5: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare.
1: far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity
3: can be found You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. He nothing you people can't do. Also available on Off the Sports.com.
4: All right, let's get right to it. <clears throat> Where should Tennessee be in the power rankings? And our good friend Caleb Calhoun has the SEC power rankings each and every week. So Tennessee off of a bye, they're not just going to hold their position because crazy things happen around them. Be sure and hit like and subscribe. We were doing some research. I was over the weekend uh, actually on a plane. And realize that still 80% of our regular listeners have not subscribed. So it would mean a lot if you would go ahead and subscribe. I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Give us a like, share, tell a friend. We continue to grow this thing. Support our sponsors. They're all down below. If not for them, we wouldn't be here. So we greatly appreciate you as the numbers continue to explode through the roof. But be sure you've clicked on subscribe and turn those notifications on whatever platform you're listening on. And also, give us a review. That helps us get out there, too, if you're on Spotify or Apple. So, a lot going on in the program today. Let's get to SEC Power Rankings right now. Here we go. SEC Power Rankings by our own Caleb Calhoun. And I'm just going to start right off the bat with the SEC Power Rankings. And it is, what the H?
3: What the What was he thinking? Release the hose. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com.
4: We'll break them all down, but you got Texas A&M at five. That doesn't sound like my guy, Caleb, It's questions Jimbo Fisher and then questions Bobby Petrino. Basically question any integrity that the program may have. That's how Caleb rolls. But he's got him at number five for the record. Tennessee at number seven in the SEC power rankings. Are you surprised that you have? Because Caleb's honest, objective, and doesn't dig his heels in the sand. He thought A&M would be a train wreck. They've been at the very least respectable, which isn't respectable as long as Jimbo Fisher's been there. But anyway, you've got him at number five. What the H? Yeah,
0: I'm surprised I have them at number five because I thought the train wreck was going to start September the 23rd against Auburn, and it didn't. However, that doesn't mean the train wreck won't happen. Okay, maybe the maybe the maybe the uh, the railroad was just broken apart a little bit further down than I thought. Okay, because what happens if they lose to Tennessee this week and they are underdogs? All of a sudden, they've lost two straight. The heat comes on Jimbo Fisher. Everybody's already mad because of Jimbo Fisher's poor coaching decisions last weekend. So there's an argument that he may have lost the team just by coaching so stupid last Saturday. And I think that could really send this thing off the rails. But as of right now, they haven't gone off the rails. Power rankings are about what's happening right now. And right now they are fifth. And I got to give them the break on that.
4: All right. So here we go. Let's uh, go ahead and break down. Our rankings, and it's brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission specific mitigation techniques. Hey, listen, they can protect your children. And that's what we're out to do. If they're a private school, you need to go to your administrator and say, Haroldgrp.com. Have you heard of Harold Group Security Solutions? Be in place so that we can avoid the tragedies that we've seen so often in the past. So we want you to do that. Again, Harold Group Security Solutions. All right, number one, you've got uh, Georgia. By the way, we're going to get Harold Group Security Solutions in public schools soon, and we're, we're going to help to avoid some of these tragedies. But right now, private schools. So wherever you're listening, uh, reach out to Haroldgrp.com to make your children safer. We've all heard of the tragedies. you got to go Georgia number one um, almost by default, don't you? I mean, they – They 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 played well over the weekend, but had that even been a close game, given what we know about the fact that they play down to their opponents. I'm going to err on the side of giving Georgia credit, but they didn't even need it this week after the way they played Kentucky.
0: Yeah, and I had been insisting for a long time that last week after the Auburn win, the close one, I did dock them to number two. But that wasn't me knocking them. It was me giving Alabama credit for how good they had been looking. I still give Alabama credit for how they looked this past weekend, but Georgia got the number one spot again because they didn't just beat Kentucky. They beat the brakes off them. They were clearly on a mission. They were clearly sick of what they were hearing in the media. And I did say Georgia covering last week. I was high on Georgia covering and got money on that one. But yes, I think they're back up to number one in the sec power rankings because of how they blew out Kentucky.
4: Number two, Bama. No great surprise. And uh, I think that that passes eye test as well. Number three, Ole Miss. I was throwing dirt on Ole Miss this season just a couple of weeks ago. But look at the Rebels uh, powering through at number three. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean,
0: they, I mean, you know, beating LSU two Saturdays ago was impressive. Their one losses to Alabama. Not much shame in that at this point, given how Alabama's been playing recently. And people are going to laugh at them for. Not covering against Arkansas, only winning by a touchdown. Dave, you know how this works. Week to week SEC games, you're gonna have you're gonna come up a little bit flat sometimes, you know. And so, the, getting out of there with the win is fine. It's
4: a tough physical conference. LSU at number four. We both had high expectations for LSU. In my mind, they've already fallen short of what they should have done, um, but they do have some fight in them. So number four, and then you've got. Texas A&M at number five. Is Missouri the most surprising, good or bad program on your power rankings that they're sitting there at number six? Because had you asked me before the season, I would have thought Missouri would be around that 10 range.
0: I did tell you they were more dangerous that you, than you thought at you the did. beginning of the season. You did. Um and But the, yes, they are surprising because I didn't think they were going to beat Kansas State, and I didn't think they were going to put up a fight against LSU. I love that pick six they threw because Missouri was going to cover the spread, but they threw a pick six in desperation at the end of the game. And that was a backdoor cover for me. So thank you for that pick six, Missouri. Um, I really appreciate it. But yep. yeah, they're number six. And
4: right G Smith says right now I'd put us at six or seventh, having only beaten uh, the lamecocks. So as a matter of fact, uh, you have Tennessee at number seven behind Missouri at number six, just in front of Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. So Tennessee at seven. Now, these are power rankings, and Tennessee didn't play over the weekend. So power rankings by design are very volatile. So where could you see Tennessee with a big win or a loss at home heading into next week? Because it feels like to me, to me, that there is a possible elite pro elite team in Georgia this particular year possible. I still want to see what Carson Beck continues to develop in, but man, he looked good Saturday and then it feels like Alabama is a tough physical team that you really don't want to play. And then it feels like a bunch of teams that either don't have a quarterback or don't have a real championship shot. Um, So where could Tennessee be if they play really well, Joe Milton plays really well um against AM or where could they be if Tennessee drops one of the Aggies
0: so Tennessee has a very good chance if they win to move up I think up to number five I don't know if they can leapfrog LSU but if LSU struggles with Auburn that might happen so they could go up to number four Ole Miss isn't playing this week Alabama is going to blow out Arkansas and George is not playing this week. I don't think Tennessee can leapfrog any of those three teams, but they could get up to as high as number four, depending on how LSU looks and what they do to a And also because Missouri's playing Kentucky this week and Missouri's at Kentucky. And even though I have Missouri higher in my power rankings now, Kentucky's favorite in that game, without any analysis, Missouri at Kentucky. Dave, your money's on Kentucky, right? Yes. Not knowing anything right now.
4: Yes. But. Yes so uh if I, if I made you predict where Tennessee finishes in the power rankings at the end of the year what's the highest they could be what's the lowest they could be
0: I mean the highest they could be is number one theoretically because I don't I don't think that Georgia game is a lock of a loss the way everybody else thinks it is and I've been saying that since the beginning of the year I did not change my thoughts on that after the Florida game by the way so I'm I, I think people overreact on Georgia week to week. And so I think Tennessee could absolutely finish number one. Do I think that's going to happen? No, no. I, I'd say like, again, I would say fourth is, is where I'm at if I were to say what's the most likely finisher scenario for them. But also, look, you ask where, where Tennessee could fall to. If they lose to Texas A&M and they drop to, let's say, I mean, if they lose to Texas A&M, Kentucky and Missouri play a close game, Auburn plays LSU a close game, and Florida beats South Carolina, Well, Dave, at that point, I've got to drop Tennessee all the way down to 10. So we're talking there's a range of like four to 10 of where they could drop that where they could move after this week.
4: No, they could, but I think they, I think they make a a jump after this week. And I think that after this week, as long as Tennessee rushes the ball for 150, 175 yards, and it's respectable against a good Texas A&M rushing defense, I think that I think they could move up significantly uh, out of all those other groups that may be in the top half, who do you feel least confident about? So if I look at if I look at your first half, read out your first half for me.
0: All right. So, Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, Missouri, and Tennessee. I feel who I still least
4: confident about Ole Miss finishing in the top half at the end of the year.
0: I feel the least confident about Missouri, and I'm. I, I said Missouri could be dangerous, but they're about to have to visit Kentucky. Okay, so over the next couple of weeks, Dave. With over the next three weeks, they visit Kentucky and they visit Georgia, and then they also host Tennessee and they host South Carolina. Are you? It, they're in all likelihood they're coming out of that one and three, aren't they?
4: You would think so. You would think so. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that when I look at Ole Miss, I think they very well could be. Um, one of those those programs, and this is going to be frustrating for their fans to hear, but they could be one of those programs that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good okay, I, I got an example for you. Totally different, totally different coach. All right, I'm not comparing the coaches, but Virginia Tech was relevant when
0: Frank Beamer years when they were in the Big East and a down ACC. Right, like 90s but, and 2000s.
4: But I would say the Frank Beamer years, right? Right. I mean, that's when right. they, and then they were just totally not relevant. I have a feeling that that, if Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss, that's going to be him. If he comes across a special quarterback like a Mike Vick, then yes, he could make a national championship type of run. But as for now. Caleb, I think he's a team that kind of is annoying, that kind of pokes some prods at better teams and hangs around. But aside from a special player, I think they'll be good because of good coaching, but I don't know that they can ever be elite. Can they be elite in Oxford and Lane Kiffin?
0: They could have been had they built a solid donor base, but I'm going to tell you what happened. And I just I know history of this. Um, until they got rid of Colonel Reb and things like that. Look, Ole Miss, and I said this last week, they were historically very hostile to the SEC integrating more than any other school. That resonated with a lot of recruits they could have landed, and it kept them from being able to recruit on a national scale because you know this, Dave. John Vault had Ole Miss rolling in the in the '60s. I mean, that was a dynasty in, in the SEC. The SEC integrated. Ole Miss really fought hard against it. They didn't – well, every other squad had first black player in like 1969. Ole Miss's first was 1974 or 73. It was way later than everybody else. They built a reputation for being very hostile to it, and it hurt them. It hurt them for a generation. And so
4: – Coming up, we're going to have a preview of the uh, Texas A&M of the Aggies. Uh, we will visit with uh, Andrew – I hope I'm doing okay on your uh, name there, Andrew. You let me know here in a second, and at least you don't have the last name Hooker. So we'll visit with Andrew in exactly two minutes to get a preview of the Aggies bouncing back from a bye week. Here we go. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.
0: Got cataracts? We can fix that.
1: (laughs) Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com.
6: Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut, and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater.
5: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Your
1: These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found.
3: Um, Who's this guy?
1: Hello,
5: wizard.
3: The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: All right, we're joined by a very special guest bouncing back from the bye week as we give you an early preview of Texas A&M. Andrew Stefaniak joins us. How'd I do, Andrew, on that name?
7: You know, the first time you you missed it, that time you got it. Andrew
4: Andrew Stefaniak, look at him. All right, here we go. So where all can people follow your work, Andrew? We appreciate the time.
7: Yeah, of course. I appreciate y'all having me. The um, you can head on over to Locked On Aggies. Those of you Tennessee fans wanting to know more about this matchup, I know we're going to discuss it right now. But if you want to hear my side of a more in depth into this matchup, Locked On Aggies on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Perfect. Um, come into the season, Jimbo Fisher makes a change with uh, Bobby Petrino as an offensive coordinator. I thought that would bring some semblance of order to the Aggies offense. I don't know that it's a wow hire um, like some of the other offensive innovators in college football, but I thought it was a solid hire. What did most Aggie fans think coming into the season?
7: A lot of people seeing what coach Fisher's offense had done last year. A lot of people had the mentality of, Hey, any upgrade, any, any new coach is an upgrade really to what we saw last year from coach Fisher's offense. Of course, the Aggies go five and seven, have a painfully awful year. Coach Petrino comes in and the Aggie fans are hopeful. Hopeful that a guy who, you know, there's obviously some off-the-field stuff going on with him and all that. But at the end of the day, he is a great college football offensive mind who is you know won at a high level, put together some good offenses at a high level. So Aggie fans were were excited and still are with what he's done thus far.
0: Uh Andrew, all we hear with Texas a on a weekly basis, I'm sure you hear is that, is that pesky buyout. <laughs> and, and everybody's frustrated about it. So putting that aside and when they think, or they think they won't be able to pay that buyout. Look, I, am with you. I think the offense is looking much better now. I also think, I, I personally think Max Johnson was better than the quarterback y'all had before. He looks really accurate when he's throwing the ball. Given Jimbo Fisher's in-game mistakes that call you a legitimate shot to beat Alabama on Saturday, could you see an um, offensive coordinator replacing the head coach as the head coach in a couple of years?
7: It's a, it's a conversation that it's going to build more steam. And when you're Texas A&M, you have to go to Knoxville, take on the volunteers. You still got to go to Baton Rouge. You still got to go to Oxford and take on Ole Miss. You got three ranked road games left on this schedule. You already have losses to Miami and Alabama. If, if losses start to stack on top of one another, it's going to heat up more and more. I am personally in the camp of Texas A&M schedule next year it is frankly a pretty manageable schedule. You have a lot of, of that young talent from that 2022 class that is kind of developing this year. And we've seen it take a big step in the right direction. So, I'm kind of in the camp of, hey, next year's the year. We don't want to get rid of Coach Fisher right now because if you get rid of him, you're gonna have people transfer out. You have a top three recruiting class right now that people are gonna decommit. I think that down the road, if things don't get better, yes. But I'm in the camp that I think you want to stick with Jimbo for the for the time being because you don't that buyouts. I, I mean, it's around eighty million dollars. I mean, it's a lot of money. So, but coach Petrino, it's a good point. It's something that could happen down the road.
4: Yeah, it is. It is a lot of money. And it seems like Jimbo Fisher and, and Tennessee's had a coach that, that did this likes to prop up the r- recruiting talk and, and the rankings as reasons that he's doing a good job. Does that ever wear thin with A&M fans before we kind of get to some X's and O's breakdown?
7: I think people are getting there. You look at what he's done recruiting-wise these last three, four cycles, incredible classes full of so much talent. And what has it really turned into? Eh, you know, a, a couple could. Be, and and people might say, well, you know, you're in the SEC. You're playing the Bamas and you're playing the Georgias in these, in these top tier programs every year and competing for SEC championships with these teams. But at the end of the day, if you look at blue chip ratio, Texas A&M has one of the best rosters in college football up there with the Ohio States in Georgia's in Alabama's of the world. And they're not beating them. They've beaten Alabama, but this is a game. Alabama tried to hand you the game on Saturday and you didn't take it from them. So I think people are getting there to that frustration level. Like you said of, Hey, we have all this talent. When are we going to see it turn into an sec West championship or, or an sec championship game appearance? And, that stuff just hasn't panned out yet. And if people are beginning to get frustrated, which I think is fair. Because with all this talent, you should be putting better results on the field than we've seen during Coach Fisher's uh, tenure in College Station.
4: Yeah, let's let's all do like a, a, an informal vote real quick. From 1 to 85, who has the most talented roster, Tennessee or Texas A&M? I'm,
7: I'm going to have to lean Texas A&M there, personally.
4: I, I probably would, too. Caleb, how about you? I think I don't even
0: think it's close. It's Texas A&M. It's easily Texas
4: A&M. I think so, despite the fact that Tennessee's had some guys come come along that have been pretty good, especially in their defensive front seven. I agree. Um, Now, the flip side, Tennessee's run the football, but they've done it against Virginia and South Carolina and to some extent Florida teams that weren't very good at stopping the run. That's not the case with A&M. How stout are they up front in stopping the run? I think they're eighth best rush defense in the nation.
7: Well, what's so funny about that is heading into this season, that was the concern. How are we going to stop the run? The Texas A&M defense was bleeding r- yards on the ground last year. That was the concern. We get into this season, and they've been great. They've stopped the run at a high level. This front seven's done a good job. It's um, where something that I didn't think would be an issue has been an issue, and that's been more of the passing attack. I'm sure we'll get into that. But – um stopping the run the Aggies have done a good job they've got a lot of talent on that defensive line a lot of talent in, in the linebacker room as well so stopping the run it was a concern heading into the year but they've done a good job handling that well so far to where it's not easy to run the football on the Aggies
0: yeah I want to touch into that because it I would ask if you guys were going to be tested against Tennessee's run gave it Y'all were tested, but they were tested last week and they held Alabama to 23 yards on 26 carries. Now, yeah, there were some sacks in there and things like that, which Jalen Monroe didn't, wasn't that effective running the ball. But curiously, I mean, Jalen Monroe did have his best game passing last week. Joe Milton has struggled through the year to this point. Is there a concern at Texas A&M with the pass defense against, I mean, I, I have to say it, below average passers?
7: Big time. Big time. Um, Going into last week's game, that was my big key, was keep Milrow in the pocket, make him beat you with your arm. If he does, tip your cap. And what did he do? He beat you with his arm, tip your cap. The game plan wasn't frustrating to me. What was frustrating was how – Jermaine Burton and some of these Alabama wide receivers. And I said this on my show. I said, listen, you know, Jalen Waddell and some of these receivers aren't, aren't, aren't on this Alabama team. No knock to Jermaine Burton and, some, and Isaiah Bond and some of these other players. But this is not the Alabama receiver core of old. And they burned Texas A&M secondary all day long. So that was frustrating. And it's definitely a concern. The two games that you have lost – have been Miami, where Tyler Van Dyke throws for about 750 thousand yards, and then the Jalen Milrow, a guy who I didn't think was going to do much with his arm, throws for does the best he does through the air all year long, probably in his entire college football career. So the pass defense is a concern, and a lot of it's going to come down to can you get pressure. But looking at Tennessee and what they've done so far this year, the offensive line has done a pretty good job keeping people out of Milton's face, to what I've seen.
4: No, they have, yeah. and I, I'm curious. You talked about Jalen Milrow. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, Caleb. Um, That's fine. You talked about Jalen Milrow. Don't let him run and beat you. It's kind of the exact opposite. With well, I don't know this exact opposite. Milrow is a better runner than Joe Milton. How do you think that the Aggies defend Joe Milton, who can run the football, but he's not a natural runner like Jalen Milrow, and Maybe you want him in the pocket because he's got accuracy issues at times. So, Andrew, what? How do you think the Aggies defend him?
7: Well, first of all, he has a literal cannon for an arm. I mean, it's it's really impressive watching Milton throw the football. It's sure. truly. But the game plan, I think, for him has got to be like you said. You know, I, I've watched him. I've scouted Tennessee a little bit this week. I've been watching some replays, watching the games, and. You're right. The accuracy for Milton hasn't been what I was kind of anticipating. I was high on Milton going into this year, and so far, you know, I don't think he has lived up to the preseason hype expectations that really everybody's had for him. And I think that the way you got to beat him is you do have to get pressure on him and force him. You got to keep him in the pocket, like you said, make him, let him make bad decisions, let him make poor throws, but you got to get pressure. That's the key because. I frankly don't believe in this Texas A&M secondary to stay with these receivers that long if you can't get pressure. If the Tennessee offensive line gives Milton time, I think this could be a game. uh, This could be a shootout in Tennessee. I'm going to kind of lead toward Tennessee in this matchup. If they're able to get pressure on Milton, I think that's when he might make a mistake. He might turn the football over. So that's going to be the key: is is keeping him in the pocket. You know, let let him let the accuracy issues work themselves out and, and get after him hope he makes some mistakes. I think that's going to be how you have to play Milton.
4: Caleb, doesn't that sound pretty familiar? Like, on Tennessee, their defense, if they get pressure, they're good. If you go against their secondary, you're probably going to win. Sounds very familiar.
0: Yeah, but that hasn't been the case for Tennessee this year. And that's been kind of the underrated part that I've been talking about. Uh, if you saw Tennessee against South Carolina, their secondary actually played very well. I want to flip the side because I want to flip to that side because I want to talk about Texas A&M's offense. I think, Andrew was was this due to lack of play calling or, or or poor play calling or are there issues up front because Texas A&M had about two or three times last game there was a fourth and one early in the game and a second and goal from the two late in the game and in both instances they got pushed back didn't get they got stopped on the fourth and one are there short yardage run blocking issues right now with this offensive line.
7: I think that there are all kinds of everything issues with this offensive line. Short yardage running is one of them, like you said. Um, flat out, being able to stop a pa- the the pass attack from other teams or the pass rush from other teams. Max Johnson, Texas State quarterback, was on his back the entire game. I mean, he was looking at the sky the whole game. They were in his face. Even when he made some good throws and made some good decisions, he was getting hit. So this offensive line, like you said, they they weren't getting any push on some short yardage situations, and they aren't giving Max Johnson time. It's definitely a concern. And it's funny because going into this game, I don't think I was stoked by the offensive line and their play, but it wasn't like a a clear flashing red light concern. Um, And so this was the game where, now it's Alabama. Obviously, it's a different animal from some other opponents, but – um They got pressure on, on Max Johnson the whole game and the, the Texas A&M offensive line really couldn't do anything. You have a, a right tackle. You have a freshman, Chase Besant is a true freshman and he had his worst game. He graded out on PFF at 17. I don't think I have ever seen that. Ever seen, seen that, that in my <laughs> life. Um Yeah. So the offensive line is 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 struggled, and I'm going to be brutally honest with you. And this is one of those games where when when Max Johnson sits back to throw the football, I'm just going to close my eyes and cross the fingers and hope that I open them and somebody's caught the football and he's not looking at the sky.
4: Yeah, there there are two stats I would look at, and that's uh, Texas A&M is allowing uh, about four and a half tackles for a loss per game and two sacks per game. So. To me, it seems incumbent, and for those that are just uh, joining us, Andrew uh, Stefaniak covers Texas A&M for Locked on Aggies. It seems like Tennessee's got to get pressure with their with their front seven because I don't know that Max Johnson's great, but I think he's good enough to beat an average secondary. Is that fair?
7: Yeah, it's a fair assessment of Max Johnson. The one thing, Caleb, I'm I'm a little bit going to disagree with you on the – Connor Wigman to Max Johnson—that was the starter that went down. I think that we have seen a bit of a dip um, in that Alabama game. I'll be brutally honest with you, and this is—it's—we can make these statements as much as we want. I think they win that game on Saturday against Alabama with Connor Wigman in there. Um, I just—he—he—he flashed a lot, so you lose him. It's a big deal. Max Johnson, though, is a capable backup that you don't really. You see that often in the SEC. I mean, a, a true capable backup that can come in win football games. So, yeah, he can pick a secondary part if he's given time, but that's what it's going to come down to. If Tennessee's living in the backfield, he'll make bad decisions. If he's got time, I think that he, he'll he he'll pick the secondary part a little bit, mostly thanks to the talented receivers the Aggies have.
4: Yep, Andrew, yeah. good stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Caleb.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I just last wanted to say, what about – okay, so we talk about front seven – does it need to be the front seven or the front four? Because Max Johnson looks like a pretty smart quarterback, and I feel like if you bring a lot of people, he picks up blitzes pretty quickly. So you got to get pressure with him with your front four, don't you?
7: Yes, I agree with you on that. I think that he's a veteran, played at LSU, played a lot of SEC football games. He can pick up blitzes. It's a great point. Um, so, yes, if, you're, if your front four can dominate the Texas A&M offensive line and you can get pressure just with them, then you're going to really succeed in stopping this Texas A&M offense. Um, if the Texas A&M – Offensive line is able to stop that front four. That's when Max Johnson might be able to pick you apart a bit. So it'll be – that'll be – to me, the trenches is going to be the key to this football game, both sides of the ball for both teams.
4: Great stuff, Andrew. Again, how do we follow your work?
7: Yeah, everybody that's in tuned in here, you can head over to Locked on Aggies. I will be breaking down this game all week. Um, so if you want to hear you know more in depth into the text and in perspective, head on over and check it out. I appreciate it. I thought
4: you may have hinted earlier that you were leaning towards picking Tennessee. Is that the case, or do you know yet? I don't want to make you
7: no. Make yeah, pick you can, early it's, it's fair. Um, I lean toward Tennessee winning this football game, but I do think Tennessee fans need to look at this. Need to look at this Texan and team and say, "Hey, this is not your normal four and two unranked team. This is a good football team." that I think have shot themselves in the foot at times, and at any point can kind of pop off and, and, and surprise you. So I lean toward the Vols winning this game, but I do think you know um, Vol fans need to know this is a football team that if they play well, they can beat anybody in college football.
4: Oh, here's a good question for the message board. I'm going to keep you just a little bit longer, Andrew, yeah. if you don't care. Uh, who has a better game, Milton or Johnson? Let me ask you that, uh, Caleb, first, and then I'll ask
7: Andrew. Well, one thing I'll say, Tennessee fans that are in here, I'll tell you this right now, Neyland. I have never been. I got to get down there. I've been to a basketball game in, in in Knoxville. I haven't been to a football game. the The atmosphere in Neyland is is the best I think in the SEC, arguably college football. I mean, it, it's insane. So, and and that leans into my take here. I just think the home field advantage could be too much in this game. I think Milton's going to have a good football game. I, I I think I lean toward Milton having a better game than Max Johnson in this game.
4: All right, Caleb. I It's so early
0: in the week, I don't know, because it depends on how healthy Joe Milton is. But right now I lean towards that too, largely because of what we just talked about. Tennessee, as Andrew probably knows, has a very, very good pass rush that has shown itself throughout the year. And so if, if, if Texas A&M has what you're talking about, issues at offensive tackle, well, Spencer Rattler paid for that badly with no help at offensive tackle when he was facing Tennessee. So I could see Max Johnson paying for it too.
4: Yeah, great, great stuff, uh, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Um, have a fantastic week, and if, if when you get up to Neyland, let me know. I'll take care of you with some ribs or something like that. <laughs>
7: All that. right, sounds good. Appreciate y'all.
4: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that, have Andrew, Andrew. Uh, Stefaniak, and he is with a locked-on Aggie, so check him out. He was at SEC Media Day, so it was great to get him on and get a preview of uh, Texas A&M. So that – I hate when – Records are attached to quarterbacks like it's a statistic. But if you had to go into this game with Joe Milton or Max Johnson, who are you going into this game with?
0: Max Johnson. Max Johnson. I'm not even thinking. I'm going into this game with Max Johnson. Now I think Joe Milton will have a better game, but that's because of moving parts around them. But I'd go into the game with Max Johnson. I saw enough to say Max Johnson's an accurate, accurate thrower. I'm a fan.
4: Okay, let's take a look at the rating for a second. Okay, so you have uh, Max Johnson at 8 with 150.95 rating. That's 8th in the SEC. Joe Milton is 10th. You say it like it's a slam dunk. That's a little bit closer. They're about 10 points apart on quarterback rankings.
0: Compare their competition so far to this point. That's actually embarrassing that Joe Milton isn't beating him handily.
4: Fair. Um, The Cooper Mays absence factor big factor i think that's a huge factor i think this is a different and i'm not saying this because we do the ball report with coop i think that's a huge monster factor i don't think they lose to florida if cooper's in the game
0: joe milton's second worst qbr and worst quarterback reading of the year were against south carolina with cooper mays back in the game So it's, I mean, again, that, that South Carolina game, people thought got a little higher on him. I got lower on him after that. Now he was playing with a knee brace and that, or a leg brace. Now that may have impacted a lot of what he was doing, but I thought he played very poorly in that game.
4: Well, I tell you what, um, we are gonna get to uh we're gonna look back over the weekend and Caleb's already calling for one coach to be fired, which is uh, pretty strong. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular examination. CCTIs.com, com. Look at me. No contacts. I am all set. So it is fantastic. CCTIs.com. Know that they're local and they care about you. And you don't get that just anywhere. So we look back at week six in college football. Caleb has a recap. Check it out on offthehooksports.com. No question about it. That the story of the weekend was Mario Cristobal and deciding not to take a knee. How in the world you can make that mistake blows me away. Um, and, And this is the type of coach that going back in some of their coaching churns that Tennessee would have liked to have approached and they didn't think they could at times because Tennessee was just such a mess organizationally from the top now they could call Mario Cristobal and he would leave in Miami in a heartbeat but man that is one of those moments that forever stains your legacy we talk about Kevin Steele giving up what 700 yards or some at some point was or was that uh, actually just... it's funny you bring up kevin Steele. kevin Steele is the is the inventor of
0: this kevin Steele's first year at baylor in 99 his second game it was 24 21 against unlv and he tried to punch it in for a touchdown when he just had to take a knee new unlv recovers a fumble returns it at the end of the game to win 27 to 24 kevin Steele's argument was i just wanted to stomp on their throat we i felt it was good for our team's confidence to try to get it in again so that's dumb. Mario Cristobal, you, coach with Kevin Steele on Alabama staff. Great to see the mentor teaching the protege.
4: Yeah, if you can't do the math that you should take a knee, that would be a major concern. Now, the other parallel I'll pull to this is when Joe Milton jumped out of bounds against Ole Miss. That I think you always wonder in the clutch, is that a question? Okay, so uh, maybe it that won't was- be.
0: For Milton that was a quick reaction and I it's been I've been critical of him from the start that I think he panics when he has to think on his feet which is a problem with the quarterback. I'm not going to pretend that's not but you don't have to think on your feet with Mar- with Mar- with what Mario Cristobal did. You take the knee and by the way, uh Dan Wolken actually tracked this to his credit. Mario Cristobal did this, you know this about 4 years ago when he was at Oregon. He could have run the clock out, they fumbled the ball against Stanford and Stanford came back and won. Mario Cristobal, Miami has never taken a knee with the lead. They don't have the kneel down in their playbook, Dave. That's what's insane about this. How do you not have the kneel down in your playbook?
4: That 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 is truly insane. Um, it just blows me away that that would even be the case. Uh, Oklahoma proves it's legit in the Red River Showdown. i tell you what I was blown away by is that's going to be an SEC gym. And it's just growing up watching that in the Big 12 – For that to be an SEC gym, Texas and Oklahoma, that will be the premier game early in the season replacing Tennessee, Florida. That is going to be something special. And the Dylan Gabriel story, if you didn't see that game, here he looks like I thought on the last play when he throws a touchdown pass to win the game that he was ducking down basically to take the sack. And then basically the ball comes out of this group of people in the pocket and it's a touchdown play. I was um, I was really blown away by, and I have been blown away by the way Oklahoma has played this year. I will say this: in the future SEC, if we took them into account, Texas and Oklahoma, right now, there is not a team that I think is a hundred percent legit. And I'm including Georgia in that. Who you mentioned at three silences their critics. Thoughts on those two topics.
0: That's an intriguing one, but I think in this year with so much, again, I don't think there's any elite team this year. Um, So like you said, and I agree with you on that. So yeah, Georgia silences critics. Oklahoma proves it's legit. Dylan Gabriel, as people know, played for Josh Heupel in 2020 at UCF. And we have to reset what we're thinking about. Do do we reset what me and you thought about Brent Venables, Dave? Or do you think this is a flash in the pan and it's still long-term, he's he's not going to last at Oklahoma?
4: Um, I'm resetting a little bit. Yeah, I'm resetting a little bit. I, 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 I'm not completely sold. Um, and I would rather have, despite his issues, Steve Sarkeesian as my head coach, who's Texas's head coach. But I'll, I'll reset a little bit. I mean, I think he could have success there. Uh, Alabama lead schools, uh, still alive. We're talking about one lost teams. There are a bunch of schools still alive, but I, I agree with you, Alabama. Look like the most impressive Notre Dame, Texas A&M are done. We're talking about championship hopes. Yep.
0: Yep. Playoff hopes. It's over. Notre Dame's not coming back from this. They can't, they can't recover. And I told
4: you Marcus Freeman, listen, when, when your players cheer for you unanimously as being named the head coach and replacing Brian Kelly, who went to LSU, that's a sign that he's a player's first coach. And this is going to what, – whatever they do early with Marcus Freeman, it's going to go downhill from here. So these are the best days. And yes. they're not great. Louisville leads uh, basketball stills, uh, still looking good. Louisville just kind of out of left field. The Pac-12 uh, race Notre, gets
0: By the way, the other basketball school just wanted to mention, North Carolina is still undefeated too. It's
4: true. Uh, Pac-12 race gets interesting as Colorado and USC uh, survive – survives the right way to put it yeah i don't think usc has uh defense to be able to win a college football championship at all
0: lincoln riley doesn't care about it he's the mike d'antoni of college football i've been saying about it this is where he's different from josh heupel who whatever you think about him does care about defense the pac-12 was looking like the most dominant conference this is this is what happens when october comes they're beating each other up so ucla knocked off washington state and now there are three undefeated teams left Oregon and Washington are playing this weekend, so there will be two. That's going to be the game to watch. Oregon and Washington is going to be epic.
4: Big Ten, a three-team race. I don't know that I'd agree with you there. I think it's Michigan, and I think it's because of Ohio State without a quarterback has come back to the pack a little bit. Penn State's just kind of Penn State to me. Until they prove it, I don't believe it.
0: But but nobody else is on that. But, see, the thing with Michigan is Michigan still hasn't played anybody. You're going to see in a second, I don't have them in my top ten still this late in the year, they're still not a top 10 team because they haven't beaten anybody.
4: Yeah. The Heisman race, Michael Penix, Jr. Dylan Gabriel. Okay. Penix, of course, of Washington, you've had him at the top for a while. Dylan Gabriel, uh, quarterback at Oklahoma. Who well, had, I had
0: Cameron Ward of Washington state, but I knocked him out because of how he played against Oregon state. Over the right. Game. And then
4: Brock Bowers tied in at Georgia. I'm going to go in a little soapbox. and It's not against you at all, but it was a national analyst said Brock Bauer should be on your Heisman vote. Come on, Heisman voters. Well, I am a Heisman voter, and I am aware of him. But I'm also aware <clears throat> that the quarterback touches the ball every single snap. So, I, I mean, listen, he's he's he may be the best player, uh, regardless of position in college football. But to me, you've got Shadour Sanders at number four. Colorado is is not where they are without him. You've got Jaden Daniels at five for LSU to me right now. And I haven't done my digging and I will argue to the hilt when I do my digging, I do my three hours of of prep before I do my Heisman vote. And then I'll argue, but to, to me, Shador Sanders deserves to be one or two with Phoenix jr. Right now, because I think he's a special player with the eye test. And I don't think Colorado is anywhere close to where they are. By the way, I was on a plane last night. Maybe you can Google and figure that out uh, with a prospect flying into Chattanooga, who was at Colorado over the weekend. He had a nice new crisp Colorado pullover. But I've got Shador Sanders higher than you. As a matter of fact, if I had to sit down and do it right this second, he might be number one.
0: So you have a case for Shador Sanders as MVP because you're right. This is one of those where, like, how much do they elevate their team? And Colorado is probably 0-6 if Shador Sanders isn't there, aren't they, right now? and. Yeah, so I, I could get with that, and it's it's kind of the opposite of Jane Daniels, who has a lot of talent around him, but Jane Daniels' stats I just can't ignore. They're insane if you go look at them. But I'm right now still going with team success. Look, I get your point about Brock Bowers, but it's kind of like Will Anderson last year at Alabama. I think sometimes there are exceptions every now and then, and I think Brock – I mean, I'm going on a limb. I think we might be looking at the future greatest tight end of all time in Brock Bowers. I mean, that guy can play football.
4: No, he's really good. G. Smith says, where is UGA without Bowers? Well, see, I still think they're undefeated. Uh, Jaw Jackson says that uh, Sucks the Heisman has to go to a quarterback. Well, yeah, but my – and they don't give you specific criteria. They just say most outstanding player. But I will tell you this. I go with MVP in the back of my mind, Who is who, who had the biggest impact on the win-loss record. That's how I go. But everybody has – their their own, like for like Bo Jackson, somebody as special as him. You might vote for him, even though Auburn was going to win as many games. I'm just throwing him out as, as an example. There are exceptions, but for the most part, I'm going to go with a guy who uh, gets you the most wins brought to you in part by sports treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more following Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. It's fantastic. And they had the signing over the weekend Facebook.com, Sports Treasures TN, Facebook.com, Sports Treasures TN. Follow them, and you will be glad that you did because they've got Tennessee stuff coming out left and right. Be sure and hit that like and subscribe button as we take a look at the top 10. And Caleb's uh, top 10, uh, he's got Ohio State number one. I would have Michigan number one, followed by Oklahoma at two, Florida State three. Georgia, four, North Carolina, five, Oregon, six, Penn State at seven. That's a little too high for my liking. Washington, Louisville, Texas. Caleb's list is very fluid and uh, speak to that fluidity because I think there are some teams that you agree are not going to be in the top 10 when we're having this discussion in about a month.
0: Yeah, this is not a power ranking. So it's not who's playing the best and it's not. A projection. It is what is your record and what is your schedule strength and who has head to head advantages. And right now, I'm sorry, one loss Texas is ahead of Michigan. One loss Alabama to me is ahead of Michigan. I think two loss LSU and one loss Ole Miss might be ahead of Michigan because Michigan has played cupcakes. I don't care how bad they beat them, they've played JV teams to this point. So call me. When Michigan plays somebody relevant, and until then, I'm not putting them in the top 10. By the way, I had Georgia barely top 10 last week. I elevated them because, again, on paper, and my top 10 is only on paper. It's only body of work. That's it. It's not eye test. And on paper, Georgia beat an undefeated team last Saturday, a week after beating a 4-2 and two team on the road. That vaulted them to number four. You got to get a couple of quality wins. And I'm sorry, Michigan. beat somebody who Beat somebody with the pulse and then call me
4: no there he's Caleb Calhoun I'm Dave Hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports hit that like and subscribe button weekdays we join you at 10 a.m wherever you podcast or stream but especially YouTube get on board like and subscribe we greatly appreciate that for Caleb Calhoun I'm Dave Hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports
2: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?